Hey, hi, it's Michelle, also known as Glitter in the Dirt, and here we are, podcast number three. Woo! Consistency, baby. I'm not super good at consistency. I'm really good at starting things, not so good at following through. So let's all take a moment and celebrate that I'm on number three. Pretty excited. Round of applause. Yay! Okay. So now that I'm done patting myself on the back for sitting in my living room and talking to myself as I sip tea, (laughs) uh, what are we going to talk about today? We're going to talk about two things. One, we're going to talk about energetic cleansing. And two, we're going to talk about menstrual cups. I recently tried a menstrual cup for the first time. If you follow me on social media, you were able to kind of go on that journey with me, but I thought it was still worth talking about because I got a lot of questions. And before I had actually given it a go, I had a lot of questions. So, um, and I am an oversharer, so I thought I would share some of the things that other people don't want to talk about. I'm sipping tea, so I apologize if you hear me swallowing. I will do my best to swallow quietly. So, okay, menstrual cups. There are so many out there, and I, you know, we've we've all seen. Uh, gosh, I mean, I, I think that there's such a a phenomenon among women that we even have um, gifts for them on Instagram. Like something's got to be pretty, pretty big to get its own little gif on on Instagram. I mean, if Queer Eye has one, then menstrual cups must be pretty big. So as I took my maiden voyage with it, um, I thought, gosh, I really just wanted to share the experience. So I went with a brand called Pixie Cup which is a smaller company. I know that there's tons of them out there. There's like Diva and Luna and a bunch of others. I went with Pixie Cup um, because, and I'm going to be really super honest, um, I did not follow up and do research on this. I blindly believed what they said, and I hope that it's true. But they said that for every cup that's purchased, they give a cup to a woman in need. And I thought that was pretty stinking awesome. Uh, So I chose to go with a size large, Uh, I think that they had like a medium size and a large size and an extra large size. And so I went for the large size because I have really heavy periods, but I have um, a short vaginal canal, which had always prevented me from comfortably wearing tampons. And in fact, I've always been really against tampons. Well, originally I was against them because they were just uncomfortable. I remember struggling with them through my teen years when all my friends were doing it and making fun of me for using pads. Uh, Which again, what the fuck? Like, why are we judging each other because of the way that we choose to take care of our menstrual blood? I think that is so fucking stupid. And I'm sorry. I have been teased throughout most of my uh, womanly life for choosing to not shove a wad of chemically treated cotton up my vagina. So I clearly have some latent anger about that. And I apologize. (laughs) But uh, and so again, like I'm not judging anybody for what they choose to do. I wanted to, um, you know, the reasons for its appeal, it's much less waste, uh, especially now that my daughter is uh, having her cycle. I'm just very aware of the amount of waste that we're putting out there every month with all these pads. I had tried, uh, well, I had ordered some reusable pads because I thought that was a cool option. But when they arrived, although the lining was bamboo, the outside was polyester. And that just didn't, again, it was like, it just didn't feel right to me. Admittedly, the cups are silicone, so they're no more natural. But there's, it just didn't feel right to me. So I, that's why I went for the cup. 
So again, um, I think I probably could have benefited from an extra large. I may in fact order an extra large at some point and see. Um, the biggest question that I was asked uh, and the biggest challenge that I found was finding the right spot. So um, in my notes, as I was writing for this, I wrote location, 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 and that's really it. You've got to find your sweet spot. The first day I put it in, and there's like a fold. You have to kind of fold it up like a taco to get it in there. But um, just Google it or look it up on Pinterest. There's tons of people who have put up pictures of the right. Well, actually, there's a couple different ways. The way that I found that was best was to um, like basically fold it in, like flatten it and then fold it in half, if that makes sense. So it was like a little taco. And then as you put it up, it opens itself up. And it actually forms a seal. So there isn't um, leakage providing that you change it regularly. But on the, it has like this little, I don't know, I'd say maybe it's a quarter of an inch, maybe half an inch, um, little grippy handle, for lack of a better word, that you're supposed to use so that you can pull it out easily and it doesn't, you know, it's not slippery. The first two days that I was using it, I found um, that that little guy was kind of hanging out just a little bit from my vaginal opening and it was, when I would walk, it would um, rub on on my... Um, Labia minora, I believe is the correct name. Um, and it was irritating. But by day three, and seriously, like I, I tried many ways. I tried putting it in, sitting down on the toilet. I tried doing it standing. I found for me the most comfortable way to do it was actually to stand and put one foot like on my toilet and then do it that way. Because I guess that maybe elongated my canal so it wasn't bent. I'm not, I don't know exactly. But for me, that was the best way to put it in. And by day three, I found that if I put it in and then I did like a squat and then I kind of moved my body around and I found that that, I know it sounds silly, but that kind of allowed the cup to kind of work into a comfortable spot. And by day three, um, I, I could still feel it. Everybody kept telling me, oh, when you get it in the right spot, you totally won't feel it. And perhaps that will be the case down the road. But on this first run, by day three, it was comfortable, but I was still very aware that I had it inside of me. But that it w certainly wasn't a deterrent. Like it, it by day three, it was comfortable, but I knew it was there. Uh, for me, I found it took on regular days two or three changes. So you've got to remember if you're going to be out in public, um, the Pixie Cup actually comes with these little um, disposable wipes that you can clean it with. You might. I, I have not, I didn't have to change it in public, so I actually can't speak to that, but I think it could be a challenge to change in public. So maybe the wipes are a good thing to have with you. Uh, and for overnight on my two heaviest nights, I did have leakage. It was pretty minor, but it was definitely, um, I think the bigger cup overnight, or perhaps maybe on that one night, I would need to wear a pad just, um, just for the little bit of leakage that I had. And everybody's flow is different. And again, by I think I've talked about this before on Instagram, um, but I don't think I've mentioned it in either of the two previous episodes. I usually, um, by day four, day four through five or six, depending, I generally free bleed because it really drops off for me at that time. So there's still blood, but it's not any, like I can deal with it. Um, but I also have the advantage of uh, I am a stay-at-home mom, so I'm not like out in the world. So if I if I have a leak, the worst thing that happens is I have to change my clothes. 
But I'm a big fan of um, free bleeding. Also, it's not practical, I don't think, in my life to free bleed the entire time um, just because of the mess. But I know that there's those, uh, I want to try those Thinks panties. If, any, if anybody has tried those, please comment because I'd really like to know if you like them. I know an acquaintance of mine, um, Melinda, she goes by Mumu Mansion on Instagram. And I think she is, um, what do you call that, an ambassador for them now? I should ask her what she thinks of them because they look pretty awesome and I'm into that. So back to menstrual cups. Um, you want to make sure that you get it in a comfortable place. And that I think it's going to be different for everyone. And it's just, I don't think that there's any way to tell you how to do it, except one good piece of advice that I got was just stick it up there as far as you can. <laughs> Super scientific. But that was, I was actually afraid that I would hurt myself if I kept, and, and so that that's, keep it in mind, I guess. It's a weird piece of advice. It's not very specific, but I found it helpful. And some other questions that I had were, um, you know, about the mess when you remove it and does it spill and, and all those things. And in fact, I think it probably could spill, although I did not have that problem. If you take it out slowly, um, I know some people remove that little handle on the end, but I did find it really handy for when I was taking it out. So you want to pull it out slowly. Don't get crazy. Um, and if you pull it out slowly, you'll be able to hold it upright if you want to. Um, so it won't spill because for me, the extra bonus of using the cup was um, there are so many beautiful, magical practices that we can do with our menstrual blood um, that I wanted to collect that. Or if you don't want that, then as you take it out, you can just tip it into the toilet. Um, but I would encourage you to look at it because I have to tell you, it was a profound experience for me. I previously, when I had seen my menstrual blood, it was soaked into a pad. It was leaking onto my thighs or my underwear. Like I had never had, I guess, a truly positive experience with menstrual blood until using this cup. When you see this beautiful little like vase-shaped vessel holding your menstrual blood just so beautifully. Like I am, I'm actually tearing up right now. That's how impactful it was. It was emotional. It was centering. I felt so connected to my body, to the cycles of life, to the divine feminine. Like it I'm not going to lie, like this has been a life-changing event for me, which is why I'm talking about it at great length. And when you look at it, I, I have to, like, it was astounding to me that, so the bottom two-thirds, I would say, of the cup were blood, dark, red, thick blood. But then there was like a layer, the top third was almost clear, um, which I, I believe is... Um, fluids from your uh, the lining. And, and then of course there were like the little chunky bits of endometrial lining coming off. But it, I'm, it was so beautiful. And I think that if we, if every woman did this, okay, not all women. I think that a lot of women would be grossed out by this. But those of us that are devoted to the divine feminine, the witches, the healers, the mystics, the open-minded 
souls. If we were to wrap ourselves around the, wow, that is a loud motorcycle. If we were to wrap ourselves around the power in these little cups, like I just think we give away so much of our energy. And this is such a powerful concentration of our personal power and our magic that we just throw away every month. It blow like I don't I'm just try it and you'll see. I am now you might be wondering because I was like, okay, so I know there's power in this blood. But what do I do with it? Like do and I think that there's some that I might bottle and just keep for when I need it. But there's some beautiful ways that we can use it really simply. Um I think it's a wonderful blessing in gardens. Uh, and you could either put it into the soil. I mean, we use blood meal as a fertilizer, so I don't think it's that far-fetched. Um, and, and historically, blood was used to fertilize fields. Um, it can absolutely be, so if you save some, it can just kind of be a personal touch into any magics that you do. A lot of us use spit or hair, um, sexual fluids. I think that menstrual blood could go right inside of that. I think that it would be a wonderful uh, way to use um, for sigil magic. Say you were blessing your home or or anything. I think that it could be really good for sigils. I've seen people making art, uh, painting with it that's really gorgeous. I'm not an artist, so I'm not even going to try. Or, um, you know, offerings. If you're a person who does offerings, um, I think that menstrual blood is a pretty darned good one for most um, deities that are aligned with the divine feminine. Pardon me. So, <clears throat> um, hang on. I have a note here that I can't read. Oh, also, I want to talk about this. I think that a lot of us, um, in we'll say the witchy community for lack of a better term, I think that a lot of us feel like if we're not bleeding with the full moon that we're doing it wrong, uh, or the dark moon. Like, I, I've, I'm much more aligned spiritually with dark moon energy than full moon energy. But either way, like, but the thing is... Um, that shit doesn't matter. Like, you're not doing it wrong. You're not mal-aligned. You're not out of sync if you bleed at a different time. And um, I think, I'm pretty sure, I'm not sure if it was, and um, there's two books actually that I'm going to quote from in a minute. Uh, and I'm not sure if this theory came from Witch by Lisa Lister or by Woman Most Wild by Danielle Dulski. But every phase of the moon is a powerful phase, right? We align some of our magical workings with different phases of the moon. So the thing is, if you're not bleeding at the full moon or the dark moon, whichever, you're not doing it wrong, but it might mean that perhaps your energy is more aligned with that phase. So you need to ask yourself, what phase is the moon in? And then look at the things that are going on in your life or the energies that are surrounding you or the thoughts that are circling in your head and see how that aligns. Perhaps you're in, you know, maybe you're bleeding with a, a waxing gibbous. Perhaps you're in a more... Um, creative time or perhaps you do bleed with the dark moon well maybe it's time for you to go inside and do some inside work i think um i just think that we we put these silly regulations and rules on ourselves especially in our our community of witches and i think that that's kind of counterintuitive because the whole point or the my whole practice is all about intuition and paying attention to the signs around us. So why would our menstrual cycle and how it aligns with the moon not be part of that? Do you know what I mean? So, and again, let's just talk again. You know, our lunar cycle is 29.8 days and most menstrual cycles are right around there. And there really is an alignment between those cycles. 
and is it, hang on, I had something I wanted to read to you. Where is it? Okay, so in Woman Most Wild by Danielle Dulski, and I'm going to say if you, this book, as I was reading this book, I was literally like highlighting and saying out loud, like, yes, absolutely. And I, I have never, uh, except for these two books, I've never read something that was so aligned with my personal belief system. And it was, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty validating to see people articulating the things that I've always intuitively known. Do you know what I mean? So she talks about the dark moon maiden and I'm not, there's context to this. Absolutely. But I think, uh, So the dark moon maiden is a woman reborn and she surrenders to her need for silence and isolation. So there's a, there's so much in here. I, and I don't want to, this is, um, read the book. (laughs) I don't want to do a disservice, but I really like that because I think, um, we all, I think there's a hyper focus on full moon magic and full moon alignment, but all faces of the moon have something beautiful to offer us. And I think especially to us as women. So, um, what else? oh, and since we're talking about menstrual cycles, I, I realize that I am a woman who has more, uh, luxury, not luxury. I just, I have the ability to kind of honor this time. So I know I, for most of my life, I thought about my menstrual cycles as a chore, as a curse, as um, something to be avoided and hidden. Uh, you know, I mean, how many, we've actually are sold products by companies that we can conveniently hide in our purse or in our palm. Do you remember when OB came out? Uh, if you're not old enough, you might not, but OB came out like in the 80s with um, these tampons that didn't have an applicator so that you would just use your finger. And their whole marketing thing was that it was small enough to hide so no one would know. And so we have been, we just live in this culture of shame around our menstrual cycles. And absolutely, I attribute that to the patriarchal society that we live into. And that's a whole nother podcast. But I do encourage you, and I feel like we have to talk about wrapping our arms around our menstrual cycles and wrapping our arms around the power that is innately inside of us as women, the power of the creatrix, and respect that shit. It is amazing. And so, you know, during when I have PMS, uh, I just, I acknowledge it. And it is... uh, I don't dread what's coming. I just, I, I am kind to myself because that's what I need at that time. And I used to indulge in all of the the junk food desires, but I found, um, well, I'm an emotional eater. That's just part of who I am. But I found um, instead, like I've made tea blends that support my emotions and my body in those times. I let myself take naps if I need to take a nap. I'm just kind to myself. And there are... Uh, people out there who are better schooled in um, the health practices of menstrual cycles. And I urge you to seek them out. Um, Steamy Chick is a really great one. You can find her on Instagram. Uh, Lisa Lister does a lot of work around uh, menstrual cycles and um, witchcraft kind of combined. There's a lot of uh, people out there who are really good at this. And I encourage you to go find them because I'm just talking in theory. But like um, I went to a workshop given by Steamy Chick a couple years ago, and it kind of rocked my world. In fact, I would say that was really the start of my digging in 
to uh, the menstrual cycle and the sacred energy that was there. And so she talks about, you know, the different foods that you want to eat during the different phases of your cycle. And I don't follow that by the letter, but I really liked um, the idea that we as women probably we have like four different phases each month. And in Woman Most Wild, Danielle talks about how we have these four every month. We have almost like a year cycle. You know, we go through this time of springtime and of creativity and burgeoning energy and summertime of of like passion and and of uh, that need to do all that that kinetic energy. And then in the fall, getting ready and fall would be like your PMS time and getting ready to rest. And so tidying up those last minute things, but possibly getting a little tired and then going into your winter time, your fallow time, which would be your bleeding time. And it's really beautiful. So again, I I cannot encourage you enough to go read this book. But and another great practice talking about steamy chick. And there are other people out there doing this and it is an ancient practice um, is vaginal steaming. And I'm a huge supporter of vaginal steaming. And people always laugh. And in fact, it was um, Melinda at Mumu Mansion. You can find her on Instagram, um, who first introduced me to the idea of vaginal steaming. And of course, I'm not going to lie. I laughed. I thought it was ridiculous. This was several years ago uh, when I was not quite so comfortable with my feminine bits and the power that they held because I had lived in this culture of shame. So a couple of years ago for Mother's Day, my wonderful husband built me a steaming box. Now, there are people that sell them. Um, At Steamy Chick sells them. She actually has a storefront um, in San Pedro. And Girl Gang, you can also find her um, run by Erlinda on Instagram, I believe is also selling boxes. There's lots of them, but my husband chose to build me one. Um, And the wood that you choose for that is really important. He probably spent eight hours, and I I wish I could tell you what kind of wood he chose. I think it might be cedar, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, But I've also seen people who just do this with a bowl. And they squat over the bowl. I just didn't want to work that hard. So I wanted the box. And you use herbs. Um, and in fact, um, I think uh, for my Patreon supporters, my $15 supporters, I'm going to share my Yoni steaming herbal recipe this month on there. So, and you can buy packs. People sell them, but I like to make my own. And what I do, and there's there's different kinds of steams too. So some people are, are steaming for much more specific medical reasons. I'm steaming for menstrual support, menstrual cycle support. So for the three days leading up to my bleed, I steam for about 20 minutes. And there's a few things that come from this. One, it's just relaxing. And it really allows me to center and to honor what's happening inside of my body. Two, Uh, It feels fantastic. I am not going to lie to you. It feels amazing. Like the breath of a god. It it is warm and wet and aromatic. And you want to wrap your body in like a blanket so none of that steam gets out of the box. It's just a beautiful feeling. And it's also, depending on the herbs that you use, it's going to support bleeding on time. It's going to lessen cramps. The I used to be laid out for two days at the beginning of my period every month. I now choose to rest on those days, but I don't need to. The steaming has almost eradicated my menstrual cramps. It is a huge win. I don't take Tylenol. I don't 
the last two months I haven't needed a heating pad. Some months I do still choose like to have a heating pad. It also just feels nice. But the, the steaming has really been amazing. And depending on the herbs that we use, we can slow down blood flow. We can encourage blood flow. We can, um, there are people um, who maybe have prolapsed vaginas or other other or, or their uterus issues, and the steam can help that with different herbs. But the one that I use is just kind of a general menstrual support. Uh, and it's also just a beautiful personal practice. Uh, my uh, my daughter is almost 12, um, and I've tried to get her to do it, and she's not ready for it. Like she thinks it's, and that's fine. I'm not going to push her, but I am trying to raise her in an environment where she understands that this is a beautiful process of being a woman and it's not something to be ashamed of. In fact, I speak openly in front of my son about these things because I want him to grow up understanding that there is nothing shameful or dirty about a woman's menstrual cycle. And along with that, something else, and I learned this, um, I feel terrible that I can't think of her name right now, but Steamy Chick, as I was sitting in this, she had this beautiful yurt built and there was, I don't know, about a dozen of us in there. Uh, and she introduced me to this concept of um, resting, <laughs> which isn't much, but I mean, it doesn't sound profound, but it really is to, to take this sacred time. I call it my red tent time. Uh, for the first two, maybe three days, I don't do much. I feed my family because as I'm, that's just something that is important to me, but I don't have social obligations on those days. I don't leave my house very much. I don't do housework. I rest and I do whatever I need. In some months, that means that I need to just do some pranayama practicing and, and get into my breath and inside my body. In other months, it means I might just want to veg out and watch my favorite movie on TV because that is what I need. But I take this time to take care of myself so that I can then spend the rest of the month taking care of my family. It is... It's changed my life, really. It's a really beautiful practice. Uh, and also, I would encourage you if you're not, well, you may not need to, but I use a period tracking app uh, just to kind of see, so I know when to steam, really, because my period is not super consistent, uh, or it wasn't super consistent, I guess, but my cycle is just not what everybody else's is. It's a little bit shorter than the 28-ish days that most people have. And, oh, look, I had notes on the four stages of our cycle. So there are, um, in Woman Most Wild, she really aligns this with more like archetypes. And Lisa Lister has whole books devoted to this. But I just wrote down the four stages so that we could understand them. So stage one is your bleeding stage. Um, and this is a time for rest and introspection and kind of an openness to new ideas. And there, there have been practices in various cultures um, of women kind of going away during this time. And the, there's the book, The Red Tent. It's been, uh, I think several Native American tribes also have had this practice. But the interesting thing is um, that th at this time, women are most insightful, more honest, um, more their ability to connect with the other world is heightened. And so in many cultures and practices, the reason that they go away is not because they're dirty or foul or pissy. It is to allow them to fully connect so that they can bring back wisdom to their tribe, which I think is beautiful. After that comes pre-ovulation, 
which is a time for creating. You generally will have a lot of energy and things kind of feel new. It's kind of like a, an internal springtime. The next phase is ovulation. And that is when we are very sexual. We are very um, touchy-feely. We feel the need maybe to connect with others. This is a time when we might feel more social. And then the fourth time or the fourth stage is going to be our PMS time. And this doesn't have to be negative. Again, this is a time to listen to your needs and speak your truth and prepare to let shit go. It's a super powerful time. And I think that, again, we it's been demonized when it it's unnecessary. It is a beautiful practice. And if we can align those energies and just be aware of like, this is where I'm at in my cycle. This is you know, what this time is meant for. And you're not doing it all day, every day. But when you have those moments and you feel overwhelmed or you don't understand why your emotions feel a certain way, maybe take a look at where you're at in your cycle and see if that aligns. And I would, I would bet dollars to donuts, as my daddy used to say, that you will find an alignment there. And I think I had a Lisa Lister quote I wanted to share on this topic. This is going back to that thing about the patriarchy and the demonization of women's bodies and their need to control us because they are fearful of our power. And so this is in the book Witch, um, which I know had was pretty controversial, but I really love it. Uh, and she was talking about um, witch hunts, but let me go back. Do, 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 do. It says... And, and that she's actually talking about another person who wrote a book, but it says in her book, Caliban and the Witch by Sylvia Federici says that the witch hunts introduced a system of terror on all women. And from that system emerged a new and much more acceptable model of femininity to which women would have to conform in order to be socially accepted in the developing capitalist society. That model was one in which Women were sexless, obedient, and submissive. Women's bodies and their life-giving menstrual blood were now receptacles of shame and sin. Women were resigned to being subordinate to men. Women accepted their role as reproducers of life and accepted, too, that in a capitalist society, that role was devalued to being simply their job. Women, too, became a machine. Read this book if you have not. I, there's a, I actually have a whole workshop that I that I have taught about um, the divine feminine, um, this the sacredness of our bodies and our menstrual cycles and all of those things. But I'm I'm kind of going on, and I have some other stuff I want to talk about today. But it, it was, and I'm not blaming men. If there's a man listening, I'm not blaming you. Although I doubt there are any men listening. Um, but there, there was an overall belief that when ne in Neolithic times, when the divine feminine was truly worshipped, when the act of making babies and being able to feed babies was seen as divine as it should be, there was a slow takeover by men and by with later by Christianity that demonized and subjugated women and told us that we were to be shamed for everything that came naturally to us. And I'm going to end there. We'll talk about this some more another time. Um, but the other thing, <laughs> that was kind of an abrupt stop, wasn't it? 
the other thing I wanted to talk about today was um, energetic cleansing. And the reason I wanted to talk about that is, um, well, I just did it. Pouring tea. You guys probably all heard that. <laughs> um, I just spent, I spent my morning actually today before I sat down here to talk to you, going through my house and doing an energetic cleansing. Um, and the reason for that is um, this last week was a really emotional time in my house. Um, almost, well, very particularly for me. Uh, we had Father's Day last Sunday, so a week ago from today. Uh, and on Friday, it was the two-year anniversary of the passing of my father. And we were extremely close, and it was extremely difficult um, losing him. And I, it just so happens that his passing also aligns with summer solstice. So it's just a lot of um, energy kind of all at once. And on Father's Day, um, I was non-functioning, for lack of a better word, but I, I chose to be in that energy. I chose to feel those feelings. I think that a lot of us choose, um, we shove our feelings down because they're inconvenient to ourselves or to others or because um, people think that we're overly sensitive or for whatever reasons, I, I choose to feel my feelings, all of them. <clears throat> And, and it's easier to let them go. It's easier to receive their messages, etc. So Saturday was a very, or Sunday, last Sunday was a very challenging, sad day. And we had summer solstice um, and we celebrated, which was beautiful, but there was still kind of a heavy feeling in the house. And then on Friday, um, which was the two year anniversary of his passing, I did what I had done the previous year, which sounds silly, but in honoring his life, I did what he loved to do. And I watched Western movies and I ate pizza and I drank Coca-Cola because those were his favorite things and um, cried and laughed and um, told stories about him. And, and, you know, we have to keep the memories of our ancestors alive. And my father was one of the best people I've ever known. But today, uh, I need to let that go. I need... I felt those feelings and now I'm releasing those feelings. And although um, I'm clearly still emotional, you can probably hear it in my voice, I don't feel sad. And so I didn't want that energy hanging around my house. So I, what I did, um, I put on music. Um, my father always loved to listen to me sing and it's, uh, it's part of my magic. I sing a lot when I do magic. So I put on music and I sang and I made a, uh, a cleansing spray, an energetic cleansing spray. And the first thing that I did um, is I lit some beautiful sagebrush that was given to me by one of my very best friends and a super awesome witch. Um, you probably know her, she's Margot Meany. Uh, she had given me this sage bundle and uh, Coincidentally, when she, as she gave me this bundle a couple of years ago, I think it was a winter solstice gift, I gave her the very same thing. So that's kind of funny. But I've been saving it for a time when I really needed it. And I felt like this was that time. So I lit a candle. And it also happened to be a candle that she had given me. And it is still burning on my altar right now. And from that candle, I lit the sagebrush. And uh, I walked through my house singing and saging the energy. Um, Every corner, all through the house, all the furniture, all the beds, myself, all the mirrors, just everything, just cleaning up that energy. 
And then that burned through about half of the bundle and it's been sitting on my altar now, uh, kind of finishing up its work. I'm choosing to just let it burn out uh, and, and just let it, I feel, I feel like um, when it's done doing its job, it'll let itself go out. And then the next step was to salt all of my thresholds. Sometimes I use black salt for this, but I chose to just use pure white sea salt. So across both doors in my house where people go in and out, um, I just put a, a solid line of salt along those on the outside, not on the inside of the house, just to help buffer any negative energies that might be coming in. And then what was my next step? My next step was um, to use the spray. And this, the base of the spray was a white sage tincture that I had made. Uh, I'm not going to go on my white sage soapbox at the moment, but needless to say, it is a, a nearly endangered plant that we should not be harvesting so much. So I had a very small amount uh, and I decided uh, to maximize it. So I tinctured it. Um, so I used about two ounces of that. And then another six ounces maybe of some rainwater that I had collected uh, a couple of years ago. I collect water. I don't know if you do this. It doesn't rain here very often, but whenever I can, I collect rainwater. But I also collect river water, pond water, etc. Just um, sometimes I charge uh, water on solstices or under full moons. And I label them and I keep them for different needs. So I chose uh, water that I had collected from a beautiful, really gentle, sweet rainstorm. Uh, it was in January of 2017. And then I put in about a quarter teaspoon of water from, um, I had the great opportunity to visit Glastonbury this year. And I have a bottle of water that I got from the Chalice Well. Uh, and you only need a little bit. When you have water that's really energetically charged like that, you don't need to use all of it. I could have probably just used a drop but uh, sometimes magic is also about sacrifice. So I used a quarter teaspoon and then I put in some essential oils um, to kind of support the energy that I'm trying to promote, which was balanced and bright and happy. And I just went through the house still singing and I sprayed it in every room of the house. I sprayed it onto some of the fabrics throughout the house so it could kind of hold on to that essential oil smell. And then the final step was Palo Santo, which is um, I use for blessing. So I use sage for cleansing and I use Palo Santo for blessing. And I just use Palo Santo throughout the house just as kind of like a finishing touch to this whole energetic cleansing and blessing that I was doing. And oh, and open up all the doors and windows if you do something like this, because you want to let that bad energy out. It, there's a lot of different ways that people uh, cleanse energetically. Uh, and I'll be actually doing a talk, I think on Tuesday for Which Way Magazine on Facebook Live, where I'm going to talk more specifically about some of the things that we can do about energetic cleansing. But it, it, the house feels better. But make sure you open your doors and windows when you're doing this, because you have to you have to let the bad energy out or else it's just going to curl up in some corner and wait till it can spread out again. So open up your doors and windows. And my house smells a little bit like a campfire at the moment, but I'm okay with that. And um, yeah, it feels better in here. It feels um, lighter, I'm going to say. And I like that. I'm I'm really pleased with, with how things have turned out. And on that note, I think, oh, I had one more thing I wanted to talk about before I go. Hang on. My tea is getting cold. Um. We'll do another talk about community because I think that's worth a whole podcast in and of itself. But I 
feel really called to create community. And this podcast is kind of a virtual way that I'm doing that, but I also want to do it in real life. And I took a stab at this a couple of years ago with kind of mixed results, but I've decided to have a witch's gathering, um, a witch's tea, call it what you will. Uh, It's going to be here in Orange County, California on July 28th, which I believe is a Saturday. I haven't picked a venue yet, but I've got a couple in mind. Um, And it's just going to be like a a, a come, everybody come and let's... uh, Let's bond and let's meet and let's do real life stuff. I think we spend too much time in the virtual world and we're losing touch with each other. And it is so important, especially for women to have community. So mark your calendars if you are in Southern California or you can be in Southern California on that day. I think it will be interesting and hopefully it will be positive. And if you come, I'm just going to ask that you come with an open heart and with kind words. And we're all going to check our judgment at the door because um, there's no right way to be a witch. And I, I want everybody to really understand that. So I hope you can come to that. It'll be super cool. But we will have uh, probably one or two more podcasts before that. So I should be able to have details. And I think we're going to end it there for the day. Thank you so much for listening to me chatter on and on about my business. And uh, again, if you like what you hear and you want to support me, um, I've changed up my Patreon stuff. I did away with the gift option. I was just afraid. I have too many plates spinning at the moment and I didn't want to fail anybody on that. But there's some other options if you want to support or if you just want to share with other people. Um, I think... I don't, I don't know where I was going. I just lost my thought. It's definitely time to finish. But thank you so much for listening and being here. I appreciate you spending 40 minutes of your life listening to me talk. That's crazy. And on that note, I'm going to go. You guys, everybody have a great day. I, I send love and light and laughter to each and every one of you. And let's all go be good humans. Bye, guys. <laughs>